Hello and welcome to the first part of this special episode of the Politics Society podcast. My name is Sienna Joshi, your host, and today I'll be interviewing the candidates for the presidency of the Politics Society, followed by some lively debate. This year's candidates are Ubi and Josh, so could you please introduce yourself, starting with Ubi. Hello everyone, this is Abhi Noorthi, a second year PPE student, and I'm running for presidency of the Politics Society. I shall briefly talk about the my ideas for the society as well as a little about me for you to see why you should vote for me. Firstly, diversity. The world is diverse. Britain is diverse. Kings is diverse. But is our politics society really diverse? This is not a mere ploy by an Indian uh, playing identity politics. I wish to foreground diverse issues. I would like to see diversity in terms of speakers, in terms of ideas, in terms of issues, in terms of perspectives that we deal with. We have had a raging war in the Middle East we haven't spoken about for about three months. There are many issues happening in Africa, Latin America, Europe, Asia we haven't touched upon. I would like to change this by diversifying the issues through collaboration with geopolitical and cultural university uh, societies such as African society, Asian society, Central Asian society, amongst others. And secondly, collaboration. I briefly touched upon that when I was talking about diversity. I wish to collaborate with societies within and outside kings. And I would also like to introduce a hand-holding program which would help in the integration of students in their initial stages into the university. Lastly, I wish to say a lot said is still a little said. Let us walk the talk. Vote for Abhi, vote for diversity. Perfect. And Josh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's a huge pleasure to be here. So hi, I'm Josh Robinson, the current vice president of the KCL Politics Society. Let me just start by echoing the importance of absolutely everything that Abby is saying. I think that this debate is going to be quite a well-mannered, polite thing where really there's not too many points of disagreement. There's a lot that has changed in the politics society, a lot of growth, and that's something that we absolutely need to continue and to consolidate. But we also need to look at ourselves critically and find our weakest points. That's why I suggest the best way of integrating new members, of growing our diversity, of putting on events that are in line with what it is that we, uh, we as the members and of the people want to hear is by offering polls, by offering censors, so that you decide the agenda that we put forward to you according to what you find to be most pressing, not necessarily according to us. I think that's a great way of bringing everyone into the fold. So what is it that I want to do? Well, that is continuity, consolidation, connection, and collaboration. What does my connection look like? Well, as mentioned very briefly in my video, I plan on giving a boundless set of opportunities to every single student, not just in King's, but across the University of London, by creating a centralised event space that allows every person from every university to go to any other events, maximising the impacts of student leaders. I also think that we should collaborate. We should use our large uh, our large foundation, our large platform to shine a spotlight on the smaller societies that proliferate a overall more diverse, rich and nuanced conversation across King's politics. Okay, thank you very much for your introductions. And I'm going to start with some questions for the both of you. The first one being to describe your vision as president in one line. So would you like to go first, Abby? It is diversity and progress in every sense. Josh? It's a great question, Sienna. A very hard one. It's building upon the foundations in the interest of everyone that we speak for. 
I think those are both very respectable visions. And how would you both describe your leadership style and how do you believe it will benefit the politics society? I am a team leader as uh, as a team I'm a team player someone who's responsible responsive someone who's organized someone who is accessible to everyone as can be witnessed from my diverse experiences in lawmaking in the power corridors of India in the parliament to the implementation of awareness campaigns in my own munis- municipality as well as uh service campaigns in the remotest parts of India and cyclone hit regions I am someone who has worked in the field on the ground while my friend Josh here might have worked in the control environment of politics society and I must commend him for the incredible work he has done over the past one year I bring to the table really diverse experiences and diverse settings which enables me to understand the aspirations of the diverse community at our politics society Thank you very much Josh Yeah, for me leadership style is about making people want to work with you and not for you. It's complimenting and praising all of the work that they do. It's incentivizing them to take full ownership and autonomy over the events that they create. I think that's the way we inspire people to want to do good work. It's the way that we inspire people to put their best foot forward and doing everything that they can do. And where do I come into that? Well, it's being accessible, it's being available and showing that ultimately I'm doing a lot of work as well, involved in every single aspect of it. Leadership is about the big picture considering the entire broad scope of the society and that's something that I've done consistently throughout this year it's something that I've done during my time as head of school it's something that I've done during my time in leadership in the climbing society as well organizing large scale national events the biggest competition in the entire country i have a lot of leadership experience and that has changed and developed and the politics society is actually a great platform for me to develop that to recognize continually my shortcomings in it to ask people what it is that i want to do and uh, sorry that i should improve on in the interest of everyone. Okay, thank you very much. I think those are both very good answers. So, as we all know, political apathy is one of the biggest issues that we face in modern day politics. How would you reach out to students who may not be as interested in political activities and encourage their participation? Firstly, I believe politics affects everybody. There is an element of politics that affects every single person irrespective of their career choice and interest level. So if we could begin by tapping into the areas of common concern and common interest by organizing events with uh, societies such as uh, maybe a culture society or theology or religion society perhaps or maybe a philosophy society there are areas of common interest that interest both students of politics as well as those who are not as much interested in politics and perhaps in that way we could cultivate interest in politics in them and help them realize why they should be leaders in today's society Yeah, I absolutely agree with all of those points, but for me I think it's a really foundational issue. Politics has for too long been something really inaccessible. When you hear your friends talking about politics and you don't have the same knowledge of them, it's really intimidating and it's hard for you to get your foot in the door and it's hard for you to figure out where you want to start your political education journey from. And that's why I stated in my video, my principal obligation is democratic education, is to foundationally bring in people from different courses, different backgrounds to show them first of all the very very basics of politics. We did that with the politics one last year where we collaborated with a very diverse array of societies that boarded lots of people into the fold it's meant that our membership this year has become spread across courses like it has never been before um 
And I think ultimately it's about making politics quick, accessible and engaging, which is exactly why that these sort of sensors where we can see the political issues that are motivating the students at the minute and putting them at the forefront, creating a sort of feedback cycle where we get more and more people involved. People are happy. They're coming to our events. They're telling their friends about them. And it creates this chance to, again, make politics for all as it should be. Okay, um, so a big part of being president will be dependent on your ability to deal with challenges. What challenges might you expect to face if you are elected, perhaps through the student union or choosing speakers or recruitment? And how will you overcome these challenges? I believe one of the, the foremost challenges one might face is understanding what the diverse community at our uh, politics society wants so there is uh, a, a se different segments of the community which want to uh, discuss different issues to uh, accordingly organize events in such a way that all these interests and aspirations are met is I believe a difficult thing that I'd face uh, but I, I also think there is a huge potential in terms of a feedback loop a feedback mechanism which would allow us to know what the aspirations are Thank you. So this is something that I can really speak from experience on. The reality is, is that every day in the politics society, there is a challenge, a hurdle, an obstacle that we have to overcome, something that is unforeseen in the myriad of WhatsApp messages, in the absurd amount of emails that come into the inbox. What it is, is about knowing that the people around you are also people that you are supporting to be able to help you in solving those problems. It's making sure that everything that you are working on to your committee, to your membership is available and accessible such that everyone knows what potential pitfalls are coming about. In that way, you can stop most of them before going and getting them. In terms of the actual problems that we generally face, a lot of the time it is with the SU. And now I'm a little bit too experienced in navigating that and standing on the seventh floor of Bush House and pushing through what it is that needs to happen. A lot of the problems are in speaker recruitments. And through my experience this year, in heading up the big speaker program, in recruiting lots of different speakers. I know exactly what it is that speaks to a speaker, that gets them involved and that fills an events room as well. Um, there's a lot of problems, but my experience has equipped me to solve them. Okay, so that concludes the questions for both of our candidates. Now we're going to move on to some questions based on the manifesto videos, starting with Abby. So how do you plan to ensure the inclusion of diverse voices in speaker events and discussions within the politics society? And do you have anyone in mind to bring in and speak at events? Well, uh, diversity is something... Uh I wish to foreground here and as you said uh, in terms of speakers I think we could start by collaboration with other universities there are many uh, uh, other university societies uh, here at King's and uh, outside King's as well we've got uh, societies like EISK ISKA, as well as uh, multiple geopolitical societies like Indo-Pak Development Forum, as well as uh, Pakistan Society, India Society and Diplomacy Society amongst others, which have a potential for collaboration. By collaborating with these uh, societies, we could bring in speakers that are uh, that have uh, a targeted audience, which which would, uh, I believe, help address the diverse aspirations of the students here. Yeah, okay. So in your manifesto video, you um, mention a handhold program. How do you plan to structure this to effectively support new students in integrating into the community? 
Yes, the hand-holding program, I must say, is very dear to me in the sense that uh, as an international student, I have come from a different country, a different culture, a different education system, and I've faced significant challenges in terms of adopting to the university life here at King's in my first year. That is, despite the support mechanisms put in place formally by the university in terms of mentorship schemes, buddy schemes, and my personal tutor. So what I intend to do is help students uh, get integrated into their university life by being a truly supportive community, by pairing new students with senior students who will be able to guide them through their formative challenges in their academic uh, life here at King's. This could be uh, support in terms of essays, their general academic pursuits as their approach to lectures and seminars and as well as life in general. That sounds like a really good idea and I appreciate your initiative to want to integrate students into our community. Thank so um, Josh I have some questions about your video. Um, so can you outline some specific initiatives or events you have in mind to promote voter awareness and participation within the university community? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as with last year, I'd love to start our kind of academic year off with a Politics 101. Again, bringing in more people, more different societies and allowing them to speak about what it is that their society does that is unique. That way, again, we proliferate a larger political voice and we don't try and hold the members to ourselves. We shouldn't be trying to kind of monopolise the political community here at King's, but instead use us as the largest platform to grow the other societies and allow them to dominate their niches and specialties and then collaborate where possible. On top of that, like all of the events that we would potentially be doing, I want to use them, not collaboration just as a means and an end to bring more people in, but again to allow that society to come and speak about like all of the issues that they are specifically dealing with as a society to kind of emulate those things that I've said before. In terms of wider things as well, it's not just the politics 101, but what is an election? Why should I vote? How do I vote? The very basics of how to get involved in the political community. And I can think of three or four events like in line with how we should do this. Okay, and you talk about collaborating with societies. Do you have any specific societies in mind? And also, how do you plan to reach out to them? And what kind of events would you want to hold? Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of collaboration, um, Abby mentions Indo-Pac Development Forum and the Diplomacy SOC. These are all societies that we have collaborated with in the past and are continuing to collaborate with. Fortunately for me, in my experience this year of working in the Politics Society, of being a very socially active person around the university, I'm really well connected to a lot of these societies. I have sort of their presidents on speed dial, as it were, um, and can talk through them and make the most kind of impactful event that we can possibly do. But I really do feel as though every single event that we does really naturally links to another society. Um, and in doing that, again, we bring them to the fold and we proliferate that wider voice. On top of that, what this London University aims to do is be essentially the full fulfilment of collaboration and connection at its largest extreme. Um, as said, allowing any student to go to any other society in any other university and take the most of all of the opportunities that student leaders across really the whole country are working incredibly hard to put on for their members. Okay, and you mentioned in your video that this is this would be called the London University Union, correct? Yes, yeah. And how would you kind of structure this to allow students to be able to attend events at any yeah, university? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Um, so what me and my co-founder envisage is a central event space that has every single event made for by a student 
um, made by a student for a student listed on with a strong filtration mechanism that allows you to simply search through, okay, I'm interested in foreign policy and diplomacy. Instead of maybe having the brilliant events at List at Kings, unbeknownst to you, you have, you know, incredible diplomats coming in across the road at LSE. It's not because there is a lack of market or incentive these things. It's because there is a lack of like marketing and central advertising that means that people aren't going to these places. In doing so, what we do is we massively increase the opportunities available to every single student. We respect the hard work of the student leaders. As well as that, we provide a hub for the development of skills and resource sharing that can benefit every single society. From here, what we do is we open up that big membership that we will hopefully attract from it and get even bigger and better speakers that are then allow us to collaborate even further um, with a load of different societies across the university at large. Yeah, that sounds like a really great idea to expand or further connect with our network as a university in London. So I think that's a really good way to take advantage of it. Back to you, Abi. Um, so what would your strategy be to gather feedback from society members to continuously improve your proposals and make sure everyone's voice is heard? Well, to begin with, I, I, I think conducting a poll or a census of the issues that are that could be discussed that are of interest to people at the very beginning of the term would be a first step to begin with. This would enable us to organize the events well in advance and ensure that the diverse events or which would ensure which would mean people's interests are all met would be done and uh coming back to again the i'm sorry could you please repeat the question again yeah sure it's what would your strategy be to gather feedback from society members to continuously approve your proposals yes there is also i wish to institutionalize a feedback loop a mechanism after each meeting as well as a weekly forum wherein they could talk i know that there is a weekly chat with politics society currently but i i seem to get the impression that it does not quite it isn't advertised perhaps as much as it should be and it isn't accessible to the large membership of our community so perhaps a more general formal mechanism in terms of social media might help yeah okay those all sound like really good ideas um and josh what mechanisms will you use to ensure all members voices are heard within the society yeah as said this is absolutely my priority there is no point in us doing events if the members don't want to see it so what i propose is a series of easy accessible and practical steps first and foremost being to take a feedback form this year to get that started and the ball rolling on it now so we can look holistically at everything that we've done and build in all of that feedback to the initial planning rather than starting the year off trying to get feedback when we haven't necessarily had anything to get feedback from. From there, I think the best way of making people engage with this, on top of the sensors and the forms that we do as a kind of wider thing for more specific feedback, putting in polls in the wide members group chat allows us to see the events that people would like. So we could suggest a series of five, six potential events. We could suggest a series of five, six potential speakers in that poll and allowing our members and letting democracy proliferate our agenda. Um, On top of that, the creation of a members group chat that is both for, so we have an announcement one at the minute, but one that allows people to speak, allows us to see exactly what it is that is the most pressing issues and people can direct to us um, you know, very, very easily. On top of that, I'm really well connected to the members of the society, having been involved this year and so have lots of personal conversations with them. 
Okay, perfect. And I've got one more question for the both of you before we start debating, which is following your term as president, how will you ensure the continuity and sustainability of your initiatives to make sure that it's taken forward in the future? So do you want to start, Abby? Well, I believe the key to continuity would be uh, the fact that this involves more participation a more greater involvement of everybody in the society once we are able to make our society truly integrated by involving everyone the membership would continue and uh, that would ensure a certain uh, modicum of continuity and as well as uh, ensuring certain training sessions perhaps or primer sessions for the incoming team would also help do the trick yeah so for me this links back to a question of leadership style it's about making sure that everyone in your team knows what you're working on you know what they're working on and showing them how you do all of the steps of your job so absolutely the first thing that i would do with an incoming committee is try and get everyone together first of all make friends with them go for a coffee ensure that everyone is happy and willing to collaborate a big reason for our success this year has been that friendship element and it's a big reason why the committee elections this year are being so fought and contested and i think the fact that it is such a competitive race this year that we're doing events like these with the podcast speaks to the fact that now people are more interested in politics as a result of the reforms that Lisa and I have put in. Um, And I think moving on from that, it's about ensuring that everything you do remains accessible to the other people. So these training sessions would look like a very, very clear scheme of how you run an event, how you recruit the speakers, how you navigate all of the issues with the SU, etc. And creating very clear briefing documents for everyone inside of their specific role, allowing everyone to know exactly what it is that they're doing. On top of that, showing what we're doing, a briefing role for our responsibility and allowing a very smooth transition in the handover of committees. Okay, perfect. So now we're going to move into the debate phase of the episode and to get the ball rolling on this I have a question what is the first thing you will prioritize once you become president I believe it is changing and listening to the people my friend Josh talks about continuity a lot in his manifesto and in his video I fail to understand what continuity talks about when we haven't discussed some very important pressing burning issues for about for a long duration for about three months we've got diverse issues that are happening we have the country's prime minister coming out and saying that we are turning from a democratic rule into a mob rule this morning there are people dying out there there are millions dying and many more uh, injured and suffering and we haven't discussed such an important issue i can think of no better forum than our politics society here at kings to discuss such an issue and he talks about democratic education what democratic education are we talking about when we haven't listened to the demand of the vast majority in the politics community to discuss such diverse issues and it is democracy to me is not merely about elections and voting it is very much about participation Great. I I really echo really everything that's been said there. And I think first and foremost, my two priorities come as that democratic education. If you want the specific mechanisms of what that looked like, then it is things like the Politics 101. It's nation-themed election nights where we collaborate with cultural societies, bring more people into the fold, and share the very basics of the importance of election. 2024 is the year that will basically determine the scope of global democracy for perhaps the last 10, 15, 20 years to come. It may be the single most important event of the century. And that's why democracy needs to 
not just per fail in terms of us showing you how to do it, but in a local way, allowing you to get involved with it too. It has, without a doubt, been a shortcoming of us this year that we haven't been able to connect specifically with what we want the members, uh, with what the members want us to be doing. What I think uh, is a bit of an issue here in what Abby's saying is that whilst we are more than capable of running all of these events with the SU, with the restrictions that are placed on us with things like the safe space policy, and this is where speaking from experience is important, is that there are limitations in running some of these events. And there are certain like very unique considerations that potentially risk as being de-ratified. We've been in trouble with the SU before for certain comments being made. And so it's very important on balance for the society to consider what is going to make us the most overall impacts. Is it targeting a few certain issues or is it maintaining a stable society that consistently brings people in without necessarily polarizing them? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be talking about these issues. I'm saying that we need to find clear and concise, constructive ways in which we can do it. And I don't think that we've seen those mechanisms presented. Well, I believe uh, while I appreciate the need for caution and uh, uh, circumspection in our approach to these issues, I believe this is uh, meant to be a non-partisan, non-region-centric space to discuss politics, to engage with politics. And while being cautious is all well and good, being timid isn't. And we as a society have collectively failed to push back uh, and discuss these current events, these issues. I believe there are mechanisms we can put in place to ensure civilized debate. I'm not saying let us take a stand or let us discuss whether the war is justified or not justified. I'm merely saying that let us inform ourselves. Where else can we inform ourselves about this huge political event that is happening currently than our politics society yeah no a hundred percent as said we're not shying away from this necessarily what we're doing is trying to find the most constructive way of going about doing this and for us that does look like collaboration and there is a reason if you look at the king's society the king's political scope at large as to why no one has done an event on these issues it's because of the risks that it poses right and what we're essentially looking to do is find that constructive route into this but i don't think in the limited time that we have that this is going to be the most impactful thing for us what it is is about creating the most opportunities for our members rather than just one or two specific events that we could argue about. Abby, in your um, in your uh, manifesto, in your first line, you speak of the politics society as a bit of an elitist institution. What I ask is if you can pick to one elitist event. I personally have spearheaded a load of events that we have taken a loss on. Studio Z, our social, that came directly in response to our winter ball having like drinks that we weren't expecting to be so expensive. So we took a loss as a society to provide cheap, accessible drinks and cheap, accessible party. I also hosted then the launch party. No on-campus events have been paid for. We have a departmental outreach program that brings people into the fold. So it is not elitist. We had the Politics 101 and we make great efforts on everything that is paid to subsidise everyone with a hardship, um, anyone on a hardship fund. And that comes directly out of our budget. I fail to see in any way how we are an elitist society. When I say elitist, I meant it was uh, a very exclusive, Eurocentric, Anglocentric institution. It seemed as if it was more of a British politics society in general. Although there were events that are few and far between that discussed a little about activism or environment, the real issues that are burning in every region of the world, in multiple regions of the world, weren't discussed. And while I appreciate that there are guidelines in place and that we are trying to uh, 
approach them in a constructive way. I fail to see how we have directly engaged with any of these issues. What uses of political society if we don't understand ethnic conflicts and wars and a plethora of issues? The turmoil yeah. in Pakistan, we couldn't discuss that. The, the developments in China, we couldn't discuss that. We have a podcast currently running which discussed one episode which was released, if I'm not mistaken, a few weeks ago. We had a, a politics uh, podcast in 2022 let's chat politics which discussed global developments uh, very well in six episodes they were issues that are regarding Hungary that are about Lebanon that are yeah. in the Middle East which were all discussed but here in the politics society last year I, I, I'm if I, I could, to say, if I could weigh in on that there and just say that we've had events with MEPs we've concerted with we've collaborated with different societies to have events something like you know releasing a book launches about the concert of Bangladesh we've promoted events and trips to embassies to the Turkish embassy to the Lebanese embassy to the Korean embassy we're currently in collaborations with the Lebanese society and also then I have these pragmatic steps to do things like the nation themed election nights etc on top of that you mentioned us not bringing about the big issues to the fourfold okay we speak about a trade war with the US okay we immediately brought that in Ukraine we had an event two years on post the full-scale conflict all of these different things I think if you look at the events roster that we've actually had available then you do see that we are engaging more pertinently with the main political issues that exist today Yes, I realize that, and I uh, the Ukraine-Russia conflict is again a European conflict, and while I appreciate and I totally support the discussion on these issues, there are a plethora of issues which we must discuss, and you did mention your collaboration with other embassies and universities, uh, societies, but these happen to be uh, not advertised as much and they seem to be out of reach to the most people. And another reason why I said it seemed like an elitist in uh, society was the mentorship scheme, which was uh, open for 30 students with a, for a society of with a membership of 350 people roughly. So it, it deals and uh, helps but a minority of students of less than 10% which means a significant uh, majority feel left out and their needs and particular challenges they face aren't met yeah. and on, on, on that, if I can, so you mentioned your career provisions and explicitly in your manifesto, you state very clearly that all of those would be an extension of that same mentorship scheme. At no point in that manifesto did you think about getting in more of those mentors. Very explicitly, I do mention that. That's been something that I've been personally working on. Um, building on that as well, I have those clear practical steps about not just a mentor scheme, but making the most of that impactful mental scheme, that CV specialist, that's interview specialist, and all of these different things. Um, and what I really want to see is... Um, this growth of that mental scheme basically and it becomes a cyclical thing where the more and more people that use it the more we get recognized by these members I want to make clear we're not trying to create an exclusive mentorship scheme we're emailing away hundreds of mentors every single month trying to get as many involved as we can and I think that's something that is perhaps you know naturally missed and lack of experience so when you speak about the diversity of events etc we are emailing an abundance of people across the world to try and get them to weigh in on a variety of different issues we're doing the exact same thing with the mentors a lot of the time Time, your agenda will be determined by who it is that replies to your emails. There are things that exist beyond our control and I would be cautious of making egregious promises that allow you to think that you can just get sort of any speaker in any realm in any event because a lot of the time people don't want to speak about a lot of these contentious issues. People don't want to join a scheme that um, 
allows, you know, that's going to be time intensive for them. And to reference in the handholding scheme that you have as well, what I fail to see is why there are any incentives for anyone to possibly get involved in that handholding scheme if you are one of these senior people. There's been no reference to what the society is doing for them in relation to their work that they're putting in. I'm not disagreeing that the scheme is an important thing, but significantly more work needs to be done to sell the idea to show that it can really, really work. Beyond that too, there needs to be like, you know, as we have for the mental schemes, a minimum number of meetings, exactly what those meetings will be about. And what I'd say instead is that sometimes these artificial friendships that forms are exactly that, artificial friendships. My approach is foundational. Now that looks like hosting more inclusive socials that allows those friendships to form naturally. Doing things like we did at the launch party, having networking bingo that allows every single person to speak to every single person. That way we're not tying people to one specific friend, necessarily to one specific mentor, but we're being looser in our provisions of it and allowing these organic things to form. Form. Also something that I brought in with the mentor scheme specifically is this idea that you can go and you can speak to any single one of the mentors. And that's not something that's exclusively limited to just the people in our mentor scheme. If anyone was really passionate about wanting a mentor or to go and speak to them on a one-off ad hoc basis, that is exactly what has happened before. Rob Watson, the BBC political correspondent we had, someone outside of the society without even a membership came and spoke to me recently and said that they managed to connect to them for over an hour. I'm just going to interject here because conscious of time, but we're going to have some closing statements. So just to end, you know, it can be a couple of sentences, but why should we vote for you, Abby? As I stated before, I bring to the table my vast experience on the field, and I know what it takes to uh, tackle these diverse challenges, and my experience and connecting with people within the society and outside the society also helps. And I am a leader who listens to the people. I am merely your face, your voice here. You get to decide what we do. I am accessible, I am responsive, I am a team player. And in me, you will see a leader at your service who's accessible every time. Reflecting the diversity of the community and ensuring that your needs and aspirations are reflected and met in our society. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Josh? Yeah, and thank you, Abby, for your time. And all of these ideas are, are really important. And I'm sure that if either of us were elected into this position, we would hope to integrate a lot of the brilliant ideas that you present there. Um, it's really important to have these conversations. And for me personally, as a VP now, having had the chance to basically receive some scrutiny has been wonderful. It's been really, really important to me. And it's something that I hope to carry on and incorporate this feedback into the rest of my term here as VP. In terms of why you should vote for me then, Abby references experience. If you want experience, then it's someone who has worked hard every single day in the society for a year now. Um, and in terms of leadership experience, I think I've shown that I have sort of a wider array of that sort of thing. But I've also prevented to you a foundational thing where we're not going to go top down in trying to install all of these new and different schemes, but instead consolidate the ones that we already have and expand them into different rooms that basically achieve most things that Abby is presenting and rightfully so. Um, and these foundational approaches really hinge around that democratic education. If we want to diversify both our speakers and our membership, then we need to show why politics is for everyone, how to do politics, how to get involved and make people personally invested in it. I've also then presented the clear mechanisms as to how members can directly give us the feedback in clear and digestible forms that will naturally form our agenda for the following years. 
Another reason why I think you should vote for me is beyond exactly what we're doing in the politics society, because I don't think that we should, as said, monopolise the political world. Instead, we use our platform to grow a more diverse political world across Kings as a whole, giving everyone and other student leaders more opportunities and allowing for different styles of events with different cultures and different societies, allowing the individual member to choose what it is that makes them most passionate and giving them more opportunities. On top of that, when you think about opportunities and you speak about collaboration and connection, this idea of a London University's union that will be co-founded is the quintessential essence of all of these things basically it allows you to go to any single event it allows you to grow your experiences and it gives you access to even larger speakers okay perfect well thank you so much Abby and Josh for coming onto our podcast today it's been a really great pleasure to talk to both of you and if you would like to cast your vote from the 4th to the 7th of March it can be online on the Instagram at KCL politics or in person um, so go and cast your vote and make your voice heard. As usual, make sure to check out our other episodes. We'll be having a second part to this special episode where I'll be interviewing the vice president candidates and hopefully I will see you there. Thank you very much.